following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. John chapter 15, 1 through 9. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my word abides in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. As Jesse was reading that passage, I was looking out the door there at our cherry tree, which is blossoming beautifully and which in a month or two will bear lots and lots of beautiful, lovely fruit. Uh, That tree uh, reminds us every year um, of many things, but it was planted in remembrance of uh, Dr. Larry Lee Sherman, who was uh, our church planting coach when we started this church and who, uh, it must be said, really did not understand at all the weird way that we wanted to do church. And yet, um, maybe now, from his heavenly home, he, he gets it um, probably better than we do. But I will say about him that he was an, a, a steadfast support to us, uh, despite sometimes wondering what on earth we were doing and why. And I wish there were more people like Larry in the world, and we are grateful for his ministry and for all that he poured into the life of our church. Um, I had not planned on talking about this, but it just I could not help when that passage was read. I selected it not because of the fruit part, but because of the abide in Jesus part. Um, but Larry's life bore much fruit, and your lives can as well. And you may not get a tree planted in your honor, but that's not the way we measure things. (laughs) And maybe a type of prayer, we're going to talk about listening prayer in a minute, maybe a type of prayer would be to to sit under that tree right out there and look at the blossoms when the fruit starts to appear, to look at the fruit and to think about many things. Your life, Larry's life, John chapter 15, nature. All right, I'm going to ask you, as we begin, to reflect silently on a quotation that I'm about to read to you from Thomas Akempis. It is easier to be silent altogether than to speak with moderation. I'm going to give you a minute of silence, fittingly, to reflect on this and ask yourself, what part of, this li- of my life does this speak to? It is easier to be silent altogether than to speak with moderation.
I have some thoughts for me. Maybe you have some thoughts for you. You might also have some thoughts for me, actually, but well, I'll ask you to keep those. Be silent about those, let's say. <laughs> this is the second week in our new sermon series called Recovering Prayer. Why recovering prayer? What does that word have to do with prayer? Well, the answer is kind of there in the subtitle that we've used, which is prayer for people who can't pray anymore. And I know from talking to many of you over the years and very recently that this might describe you. You might say, uh, I was raised to pray a certain way. You might say, I started my religious journey learning how to pray a certain way. You might say, I've been attending Artisan Church for a, a while now and I see how we pray and for some reason it just doesn't do it for me anymore. I can't pray that way. It doesn't bring me any joy or spiritual uh, enlightenment or um, understanding or peace. In fact, it makes me the opposite of those things. Some of you would say that I know about your prayer lives, which is a real churchy term that I try not to use. Right? I don't think you have a prayer life or even a spiritual life. I think you have a life and it includes spirituality and prayer. Right? Um, and maybe part of the problem is that we want to uh, silo it into its own little life. But the key word, if you were here last week, for this whole series is expansive. I want you to be able to expand your understanding of what prayer is, because here's my thesis, my theory about this, is that when you say, I can't pray anymore, it's quite likely that what you mean is, I can't pray in this narrow way anymore. I've been there more than one time. And what I did was like, okay, now I'm going to pray in this narrow way. <laughs> and it works for a while, and then I can't pray anymore. What I want us to do together is expand our definition and understanding of prayer so that we maybe can um, find a way to, to do it more. I'm hoping to provide uh, for you on Sundays and on Tuesdays methods of prayer that free you up from what sometimes feels to me like being an actor on a stage doing a monologue without a script, and the audience is the world's harshest theater critic named God. <laughs> Dear Lord, we just ask you, boo! <laughs> so actually, last week, the first sermon in the series was called Pray with a Script. Because so many of us were taught, right, that the only valid prayer is the one that comes right from your heart. And if you make it up as you go along, it will be true and honest. And don't use those stale, old, dusty words from the prayer books. And my encouragement to you is, yes, use those because they might be old, but they're not stale, they're not dusty. And actually, sometimes the um, ones you make up as you go pretty much say the same thing every time anyway. And you might as well be reading from a script. And then on Tuesday night, we had our first Recovering Prayer workshop, and uh, Jesse led an excellent session on the Book of Common Prayer and how much that has transformed his prayer life and his family's prayer life. And those of you who were there, um, many of you said, oh, wow, that is a totally new way of thinking about prayer, and I am going to try that. Uh, I hope that we'll have a similar experience this Tuesday at our Recovering Prayer workshop. I encourage you to come uh, on Tuesday at 630 this week's title is Pray With Your Ears. I'm going to be talking about listening prayer, or maybe uh, to broaden it even a little bit more, silent prayer. Let me give you a quick word about the words that I'm going to be using. If you know me, you know that I believe that words matter. 
in a lot of different ways. Words matter. Uh, and in this case, I'm going to say things like pray with your ears. I'm going to be using the word listen and hear a lot. And since we as a congregation are committed to being fully accessible and welcoming environment, I want to make it clear that I'm not intending in any way to say that people who are deaf or hard of hearing are somehow inherently less able to connect with God through prayer. Uh, in a similar way, we might sing songs or read scripture that mention uh, blindness and use it as a metaphor for being uh, unable to see things spiritually in a full way. And when we sing those songs or read those scriptures, we're in no way saying that people who are blind are inherently less able to understand God. But the unfortunate truth is that sometimes this language about ability and disability has been appropriated within religious settings to make other people feel less worthy than they are because of who, who they are, how they were born that kind of thing. And I'm, I want to just make it clear, that's not at all what I intend to convey with anything that I say, even though I'm going to be using the language of, of hearing and ears and all that kind of stuff. But here's the thing. It's not really about listening with your ears anyway. It's all a metaphor at the end of the day. I think it's very unlikely that very many of us are going to have an experience where we hear an audible voice of God. Unfortunately, even as a metaphor, though, it still kind of falls flat um, because I don't know about you, but for me, the idea of sitting down in a silent room and saying to God, okay, speak to me, is almost as spiritually intimidating and terrifying uh, as standing on a prayer stage and ad-libbing a spiritual monologue to the creator of the universe, there are risks of wide open listening prayer with no kind of guardrails on it, right? One of the risks is that you hear nothing, and then what do you do? Right? One of the other risks is that you hear something, <laughs> right? Not literally. I mean that you like get a sense of something, and then what, and then what do you do? How do you know? Is that God telling me something because I was listening? Or is it the spicy buffalo chicken sub that I had for breakfast this morning? <laughs> So part of what I want to do today, and I recognize right off the bat, it's going to seem a little counterintuitive, is to give you a framework for how to listen to God, what to listen for, right? So here's the simple question as we get started with this idea. The simple question in listening prayer is, who or what are we listening to or listening for? And what I hope is the answer to that question is we're hoping to hear the words of God. And what do you think of, this is one of those occasions where the question is uh, not rhetorical, um, well, it will become rhetorical after I hear a couple of non-rhetorical responses. Uh, but what do you hear, what do you think of when I say the Word of God? What comes to mind? What is the Word of God? The Bible? Who said Jesus? Del. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yes, that's right. Haven't you ever been to church before? The answer is always Jesus. Um, <clears throat> Oh, wow, that translation from John 15, somebody has my words abide rather than my word abides. Interesting, I love that. I'd have to, I'm curious what's actually represented there in, that, in the Greek on that text. But 
Yes, the answer is yes to both of those things. When we say the Word of God, we sometimes are talking about Scripture, but you know if you've been around me for any length of time and listened to any of my sermons, first of all, I'm sorry, but secondly, you know that I've talked a lot about the Word of God being Jesus. John chapter 1 tells us this, this beautiful theological prologue to the Gospel of John, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And it's all paralleled to Genesis 1 and the creation narrative, and in that, from that very moment, Jesus was what God had to say. And it said, the word became flesh and dwelled among us. This is talking about the incarnation of Jesus. The very word of God, the great logic of God, putting on a human body and moving into our neighborhood. That is the word of God. Right? So when we are doing listening prayer, yes, we want to have both of these things in view, in mind, in our hearing, if you will. Now, the interesting thing about Jesus as the Word of God is that the primary way we understand Jesus is through the written scriptures, right? So it sends us back a little bit to that. But the important thing that I want you to remember, which is actually unrelated to uh, listening prayer um, as a specific topic, except that it's related to everything to do with Christianity, in my view, is that the Word of God is Jesus. And if you read something in the Word of God, meaning the Bible, that is contradictory to the way of Jesus as you uh, have been understood and come to uh, believe in him and trust in him, and as he's represented in the sacred scriptures and in the gospels, if you're reading something else and it seems to contradict the way of Jesus, uh, it's a very easy decision for which word of God is more important than the other word of God, <laughs> if you will. Okay. I also believe, for those of you in the room who need to hear it today, and I know you're here with me, I know you're here with me. I also believe that God is present in all people and in all of creation and that you can hear the voice of God through people and through creation. After all, the stories of creation are all told in the way that God speaks things into existence. God's voice is part of the whole creation. And so you sometimes end up hearing God's voice in unexpected places. And part of this expansive view of prayer is that we start to expect to hear God in those places in the future. But I want to say to, to those of you who need this, if what you need to do for your listening prayer is to go up to the lake or to the top of Highland Park or to the bottom of Letchworth Gorge, be careful and all that. Uh, but if what you need to do is simply soak in God's air and look around and take in and smell and hear the beauty of God in the beauty of God's creation, that counts as prayer. You need, a, you need your pastor to sign off on your little prayer card for the day and you, all you did was go to Letchworth. I'm here for you. I got you. But for today and for the next few minutes, I do want to suggest that we start with the premise that we're, when we do listening prayer, we're going to listen for God's voice through the scriptures. Maybe especially the ones that are uh, very Jesus-y, but this is probably the most straightforward way that we can put some um, framework, if you will, onto listening prayer, is to start with the scriptures. And so what I did in preparation for today was a little bit of a word study on the biblical usage specifically of the words listen and silent. Uh, regrettably, I can't say it was all that helpful. <laughs> I did find some very interesting things. Maybe when I tell you a few of them, you'll understand why it was not helpful uh, in the way that I, would hope, I had hoped it would be. Um, perhaps 
telling about the human race is that the most common usage I heard in the scriptures or found in the scriptures of the words listen and silence um, actually had to do with the context of us calling on God to listen to us. <laughs> Which is all well and good, but it's not listening prayer. Right? So in the Psalms, you hear things like, listen to my words, O Lord, attend to my sighing. Hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. Listen to my cry of supplication. That's in the Psalms. You hear similar things in the prophets of Israel. For example, Habakkuk. Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not listen? Or cry to you, violence, and you will not save. These are valid prayers. This type of usage of listen and silence in the Scriptures is a valid uh, starting point for your prayers, but it's just not exactly listening prayers, so I had to let those go for today. We will come back to it, though, during this series. We will come back to that idea, I promise. The other thing that became clear to me as I did this little word study, I'm such a word nerd, the other thing that became clear to me is that we are not naturally good at being silent. The people of God in the scriptures, have to be told over and over and over and over again to be quiet, especially in worship. What? Yes. So one idea would be silence before the holiness of God. I just read from Habakkuk 1. Here's Habakkuk 2. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. Go all the way to the end of the Christian scriptures, the book of Revelation, chapter 8, when the Lamb broke the seventh seal, whatever that means. What we know is there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. <laughs> uh, and if, don't let anybody tell you the Bible isn't funny because it's like this completely bananas scene in the book of Revelation. You've got beasts coming out of things and multi-headed animals and lakes of fire. And it says, the lamb broke the seventh seal and then there was silence for about half an hour. <laughs> Did you not bring a stopwatch with you on your acid trip? <laughs> I'm going to get fired by the end of this sermon. <laughs> Sometimes it is God's holiness in the scriptures that moves the people of God to silence, especially in worship. We are such noisy people, especially in worship. You know why I keep saying especially in worship? Because there's especially a lot of stuff about it in worship in the scriptures. Ecclesiastes 5.1. By the way, the book of Ecclesiastes is my favorite book of the Bible. If you are... Uh, broken in the ways that I am broken, you might try the book of Ecclesiastes and find it provides some solidarity. But Ecclesiastes 5.1 says, guard your steps. When you go to the house of God, to draw near to listen is better than the sacrifice offered by fools, for they do not know how to keep from doing evil. It sounds like the people were so eager to get into the temple and offer their sacrifices and what really they should have been doing if they weren't dumb was just be quiet. Um, some of the more um, challenging things that we find in the prophets of Israel 
point out that God does not want to listen to worship offered by people who do not care for others. Amos 5.23, Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the melody of your harps. Isaiah 1.15, When you stretch out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Ezekiel 26, I will silence the music of your songs. The sound of your lyres shall be heard no more. Why? Because the people were not doing right. And almost always it worked out to either they were worshiping other gods or they were not caring for the needy and marginalized in their society. And they would come to the temple ready to hold their hands high and worship. And God would say, shh. Pastors are always telling people to put down their phones because they're such a terrible distraction from God. They are. (laughs) But the Bible seems quite frequently, actually, to tell people that it's actually church that's the biggest distraction from God. I'm glad you're all here today, by the way. (laughs) All right. So this is not giving me something to work with on uh, silent prayer, listening prayer. It's basically just telling us to stop praying in that way and be quiet. It's not very inspiring. I moved on to the words of Jesus. I told you. Jesus is... The word of God, Jesus is what has to say, or what God has to say. And Jesus is constantly telling people to listen to him. Let anyone with ears listen, he says. The reason I speak to them in parables is that seeing they do not perceive, and hearing they do not listen, nor do they understand. Jesus says, oh, you like that parable? Listen to another parable. He's telling parables, and he says, listen, a sower went out to sow. Later, he calls the crowd to him and says, listen to me, all of you, and understand. Right? Jesus is putting it right there for us. Listen to Jesus. So now we're getting somewhere. In listening prayer, if we're going to use scripture, listening to Jesus would be a great place to start. Then I stumbled on this other thing, this other reoccurring theme in the Gospels, which is that it's Jesus' teaching which stuns people into silence very often. In Mark 3, He's about to heal someone on the Sabbath, and the people, uh, the religious leaders start to give him uh, guff about that. And he says, is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath, to save life or to kill? He asks them. And then the text tells us they were silent. They were uh, probably keeping in mind that other old idiom about silence, which is it's better to be silent and be thought a fool than to speak and remove all doubt. Attributed alternately to Abraham Lincoln, Mark Twain, and my grandmother. (laughs) One time, his disciples are arguing with each other as they come up to Jesus, and he goes, hey, what were you arguing about? And they were silent. For on the way, they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. (laughs) Jesus silenced the Sadducees in Matthew 22. (laughs) So what did all this word study about listening and being silent, as it's described in the scriptures, give me to teach you about this kind of prayer? Well, kind of nothing. 
and also kind of everything. Nothing neat and tidy, that's for sure. But here's one thing that seems clear to me. One reason we should pray with our ears is because it's the only way we will ever stop praying with our mouths. Being told to listen is sometimes the only way to make someone stop talking, as any parent will tell you. By the way, do you know that Listen Linda kid? Listen Linda, listen. I'm telling you, Google Listen Linda. When you leave this, don't do it now because I will lose you forever. It will be way better than anything I ever say in this sermon. It just came to me in this moment, and it's probably such a great analogy. I wish I'd remembered it earlier. I could have put it on the screen for you because this is what happens when God tries to speak to us as a heavenly parent. It's this little kid who refers to his mother as Linda, and she's trying to get him to understand that he's broken the rules, and he keeps going, listen, Linda, Linda, listen. No, Linda, listen. And she's, no, you listen. And he says, listen, Linda. And so often... (laughs) We sit down to be silent before God, and God might start to speak to us, and we go, listen, Linda. (laughs) I'm telling you, Google listen, Linda, and imagine yourself as that child standing before the creator of the universe. It'll be better than anything in this sermon, and yet I have to finish the sermon. In all seriousness, my friends, I think most of what we need to do in practicing listening prayer is to get out of our own way. Because all of this talking is just more talking. All of this speculation about it is just more talking. All of this study of Scripture is just more noise. And we are so good at making noise, especially in worship. And sometimes what we need to do is stop making noise just for a second and see what might be present in the silence for us. And so, so uncomfortable it will make us feel. If you don't believe me, I'm going to make you do it right now. Here's what I'm going to suggest. I'm going to give you two very quick tips Then I'm going to give you an option of a few Bible verses that you can look up either in the Bibles or on your phones to use as your kind of framework for listening prayer. I'm going to give you a couple minutes of actual silence, as close as we can get into a room like this, just for you to see what happens, because I know that this will mean something to some of you, but I also know that if I just tell you to go do it on your own, not everybody will. So tip number one, be patient with yourself when distractions come. If the distraction comes in and blocks your view of what you're listening to, How's that for a mixed metaphor? Just offer that distraction to God or just let it go completely past you. Just say, oh, that's interesting. I got distracted. Now I'm going to return to what I'm doing. Do that without judgment, without too much, I'm so bad at this. Okay? Tip number two is don't be afraid to just rest and get nothing done. God is there in the nothingness. Isaiah 30 says, For thus said the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, In returning and rest you shall be saved. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength. Okay? So if what you need in the next two minutes, it was going to be five, but we're running a little over. If what you need in the next two minutes is just rest, and if you start to nod off, God's there with you too. So 
I'm going to put on the screen three texts that you can use. They're the texts that are being used in worship today. You can find them in your Bibles, use the table of contents as necessary, or just open up your phone and look them up that way. I'm going to give you two minutes of silence to read these passages as a framework for listening prayer. And here's the question. What word is the word of God for me right now in this moment? Take two minutes of quiet to do that. Okay. For some of you, that period of time seemed not long enough, and for others of you, it might have seemed like an eternity. I hope that somewhere in that quietness, you were able to pray with your ears, and that you were able to hear something in those scriptures from God. For reasons I I don't quite understand, I'm feeling like I should give you that quotation from the beginning of the sermon again and maybe ask you to reflect on it in the context of praying with your ears. It is easier to be silent altogether than to speak or maybe pray with moderation. Amen. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.